Welcome to the Allies Podcast. I'm your host, Carmen Farino. Hello, this is Carmen Farino, and welcome to another edition of the Allies Podcast. I am pleased to have with me today uh, Selwyn Jones. Selwyn, welcome. Hi, Carmen. How are you, my man? I am doing well, and I, I, I'll tell you the um, the result of the Chauvin trial has uh, has in in some ways kind of renewed my faith that there's a possibility of justice in the world, and I, I know the the same uh, must be true for you because you know George was your nephew. So tell me where you are now. How uh, how has the verdict uh, changed your position or or reinforced your position on what needs to be done? Carmen, we talked last week and you asked me about the same thing. Mm-hmm. And I think I was so emotional, I could not give you a direct response because of last week was a bad week, mm-hmm. you know, showing his life and, you know, and seeing things that they were supposed to not do and they did. And yeah, it was tough. But you know what, Carmen? I'm bad. <laughs> With I mean, guilty, guilty, guilty. Carmen, it don't. It does the world more than it does me. Mm-hmm. It does my other family more than it does me because I have already forgotten or gotten that thought out of my brain about the innocent or guilty. Because honestly, I've seen a lot worse things happen, and I honestly thought the dude was going to walk. Mm-hmm. And so. My emotions don't common. My mama taught me that you worry about the things that you can fix. And there's nothing I could do about the jury. Mm-hmm. You had to live with whatever decision they made, good, bad, or other. But the pressure on them to not to have the world tore down and to do the right thing was they, all I asked was, do what your job is to do. Mm-hmm. If your job is to convict, and sentence criminals to prison. Well, just do what you're supposed to do. So, well, and, and and from the outside, if you're if you know if you look at this and you and you watch the way that the the evidence was presented, it was it was undeniable. I mean, the 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 irony of that is that we're so conditioned to see the undeniable not get addressed. Mm-hmm. And so, let me tell you, buddy, ten days. 14 days of hearing stuff and seeing stuff that gives you no indication mm. that he should be dead because of he were high or a $20 bill. Of, I've seen nothing yet that tells me that he should not be here with us. Carmen. You know, I, I, I said this to you via, via email is that all of that was going on. The, the issue has nothing to do with what anyone was doing. There was nothing that he was doing. Um, there's nothing anybody does. It deserves nope. for somebody to be be killed by the people who are charged to protect and serve in in the street. I mean, short of 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 somebody brutally a- attacking a police officer, their job is to bring them in to justice, not to meet out justice. Carmen, we've had four people die in the last two weeks. <laughs> Three of them been in Minneapolis, <laughs> and the I I wake up. I look in that that mirror, and I say to myself, "Today is a beautiful day in the neighborhood." Mm-hmm. 
I've been saying that for 40 years, Carmen, in the neighborhood, and the neighborhood, not physically, but the neighborhood, mentally, I'm still in that same neighborhood. I, st- I still have to protect, watch out, and keep my eyes open for life, self, and all of the above because of, you know, somebody didn't give me an opportunity to pick if I was going to be male, black, or white. Mm-hmm. And but other people have delegated that is the well, and that, bad thing. That that's in, that that is the part that is insane to it's, to spend time thinking about. Yeah, dog. I I sit. If you sit and think about it, Carmen, you'll get mad as hell thinking, "Wow!" Just in every walk of life, just look around, and if your eyes are open, you'll see like, "Damn, that's wrong." Mm-hmm. Well, damn, that's wrong. Uh, in the hometown that I come from, we have a river called the Noose River. <laughs> Don't you think that need to be changed? <laughs> you know? So just plenty of things that you see every day. And if you take it like I've taken it, uh, you're going to drive yourself crazy. Well, and- So I've got to figure out a way to sort of kind of smooth it over a little bit, dear, because there is absolutely nothing that we are seeing has been name me one thing that is a pro to black people. Yeah. Oh, don't say sports. No, I mean, I, 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 I think that any argument that you make that systemically it's changed, it hasn't. No. You know, and you know, when you sit around and you just go, go to any normal place, go to any abnormal place and you can just see, the signs of saying white power, white domination, uh, power and control. <laughs> and it's crazy because you look at from hell from, from 1600 to now, and you think of all the things that's happened in the world, and you think, damn, a black dude really ain't had a chance. <laughs> but a lot of people don't think that way because in their mentality, we're supposed to be slaves, monkeys, uh, play sports, and all the other BS. Mm-hmm. You know, well, but, well, and that, and that's you, the that's the part that I wanted to I wanted to focus in on is that the you've decided to um, enter this environment and the terror dome. Well, it is in a way because once you once as a as a a strong opinionated black man that you step into the spotlight and say this is wrong. Guess the, what, the backlash starts, and it happened in your backyard. I mean, it happened in it happened in my yard, my yeah, front yard. your front yard. Yeah. So, yeah, so t- tell yard. us, tell us about about that, and the and the the way that your you know your your neighbors responded when when you said you know it was the wrong thing to have a Confederate patch on on your police local police uniform. Okay, I'm going to do a Carmen here. Hi, you can bring it down. I live in the race, the most racist town in America. The name of that town is Gettysburg, South Dakota. Mm. My nephew got murdered and we laid him to rest on June the 9th. And at 315, when I walked to the car, I had a phone conversation. I had a phone call. So I called back to my hometown and asked people uh, what's going on. And it went this way. Hi, Selwyn. How you doing, Miles? You doing okay? Yeah, I'm doing fine, man. But we have, uh, I got a little issue that 
I don't think I have an issue, but I'm just going to see because do we have a Confederate flag on our uniform patch of our police officers? Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's only racist for those they want to be racist for. And we put it up there. The last previous sheriff put it up there in 2009. Okay, well, what is the chances of that thing being taken off that patch? Because it's going to be hard for a Confederate symbol to be on the police uniform that a town that George Floyd's uncle lived in. Ah, mm. uh, man, you know what? People worry about things too much. Man, you know what? I just think it'd probably be a good idea, you know, to figure this out, man, before everybody. So what are you telling me? Are you going to bring busloads down here? They had me bringing busloads of people <sighs> down here to tear up my little town. They literally deputized every volunteer fire department in town, every fire, every volunteer fireman in town. And they, and they literally, they had them have all their guns and, you know, yeah. And they're riding around town, like looking for the black guy that Jonesy sent the town to mess up the town because of the Confederate flag. Uh, and yeah, just absolutely crazy. Then I make another call and they're having an emergency council meeting. <laughs> Well, that emergency council meeting, they wouldn't let my uh, media guy video anything, but they let him audio it. And he stands up. Here a guy stands up, and he says, listen, guys, let's be real. It's 2021. Uh, we have a right to do whatever we want to. This is our town. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm not necessarily saying that I'm not for not having the flag taken off. What I'm necessarily saying is, why would we do something to our town because of a dead nigga's uncle living in town? And that dude lives three houses down from me. Oh. That dude borrows my six, $8,000 lawnmower. He had my lawnmower at his house in his shop when he made this statement. Uh, saying a couple things on... Uh, on Facebook, now this dude is, I thought he was cool. Well, you know, I know what people are. You go down to the, uh, the, the state shop here in town, and I've got a guy that stays in my motel that delivers rugs, sure of all. Mm -hmm. And he came to me last week. He's like, man, I don't want to tell Joey this. That's my wife. She's a little sensitive. I don't want to tell Joy this, but I, I I don't want to tell you because I know that you're crazy, and you don't need no more problem more problems than you got. Well, man, yeah, but you know what? I I'm pretty somber now. I don't want to. I just don't want nobody that don't mess with me, and don't talk to me, and we're okay. You know, I'm good with that. Well, man, this is what I got to tell you. You and Joy, I've always looked out for me. You have my back. Okay, okay. Mm -hmm. So this is what he this is what he pretty much was saying to me. I've been listening at these white boys talk trash about you for eight months. Every time I go down there, you stay at the niggers place again? Why are you staying at niggers place? What do you do? Cook fried chicken and serve watermelon? Uh and he's like, So this is what I'm telling you. I'm telling you this out of the utmost respect, because I've seen what you've been doing. I've seen how you talk to people. I've seen how you talk to kids. You know, I've seen, I've seen how 
all the good things that you would want somebody that you know to be accomplishing. And you're doing all of that. So this is what I'm going to tell you. Those people that work down at that DET shop, they put you down every opportunity they get. And I just come to the determination if I've got to transfer my route because in essence what he was telling me is once I say something to anybody, he can't come back in this town. Mm. And what he did is that's the sweetest thing in the world. Man, I can get another route. Mm. But I had to tell you and pretty much what he was telling me, hey man, I'm giving you permission because I told you what these people are doing. Uh, do something. Take care of them. Call the call the governor. You know, because they they work for the they they work for the state. You know, and I don't think a state employee is supposed to be uh, yeah, showing racial. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, so yeah. And I felt you know I was like wow. I talked to my wife. I was like you know, I he told her, and boy, and you know. She like, let's call this and let's call that. Let's do this. I'm like, you know what, sweetie? How? Let's see what uh, let's see what my man thinks. Well, and uh, well, that's what I want to get to. Someone, I mean, doesn't it in in a way? It doesn't it change your whole? It just make you reconsider all the relationships that you have when you see something like that. I don't have no relationships in this town. <laughs> I stay here. The only time this is what my life consists of: playing with my babies. Sitting in front of the computer, trying to find masterful, meaningful, helpful people like yourself. Trying to figure out what my next plan is going to be. And I'll back up. I built this motel as a sign to me. I'm done. I can sit right there at the corner. And people are going to come fishing and going to come hunting. There's going to be road construction. And there's always going to be somebody that's dealing with the river. And you're going to sit back every year and you're going to make, I don't know, a quarter million dollars off the work that you did for a year. Mm-hmm. And I could sit in the parking lot and watch people come and go and think, damn, this is the easiest way in the world to make money. Mm-hmm. So I don't even think about that year that it took for me to put this place together, tear it apart, and put it together. <laughs> I think about the benefits of what of what my work costs. Well, Carmen, same thing, man. I can't leave. And I can't leave because the town was good enough for my wife to grow up in. The town was, was good enough for me to move all my stuff from Rapid City down here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I ain't leaving because I still get my sense of security. I still get my sense to know that I came a long ways from pooping in a bucket, buddy. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. so that's that that's that thing that I said I let the sand. I still play softball. You know, mm-hmm. uh I don't even run like I I can't run like I used to. Yeah. And I still get that feeling for when I was a kid sitting on that back porch looking out across that field wondering where I was. Mm-hmm. And that dirt hit me in the face. That's that good feeling, buddy. Well, the only good feeling that I have about this situation is I spent an awful lot of cheddar cheese and to make sure my family was going to be absolutely comfortable. Mm-hmm. And 
my house is 7,000 square feet. Yeah. I have a He-Man Woman Haters Club <laughs> in the very top of my house. My It's called the He-Man Woman Haters Club. No women are allowed. Mm-hmm. Anyhow, they're yucky. And so, you know, man, I've waited my whole life to have the perfect little sanctuary in the world. Yeah. And by God, I feel like I had it. I feel like I have it. Then somebody kills my nephew and everything goes from perfect to I'm the worst person in town because somebody killed my nephew. And Carmen, that's just how power and control works, man. Once you want to dispute, argue, or debate about a decision that was made by someone else, uh, they don't care. Yeah, and and I see it, and yeah. it's it's just crazy. You put your foot down. Damn, how can people talk? People talk trash to people like this, and you don't think somebody's gonna tell me? You don't think I'm gonna see you one day? And they literally feel like, oh, Chow from uh, Minneapolis come down here and stayed down here for a week, and he talked to some of the same people. He goes to that building, and he talks to the to two brothers right there, their flags. <laughs> Hey, I want to talk to you about Selwyn Jones. I'll be glad to talk to you about. Th- I'll be glad to talk to you about that piece of cra- that piece of crap nigger. And he's like, "Don't y'all think this is cyberbullying? Uh, would you say it in his face? I don't know. Don't you think it's cyberbullying? Yeah. What can you do about it? Nothing. Why don't you say it to his face? I don't know. What's smarter than that? So, yeah. so I have a I, I have a lot that I go and cut. I used to go cut. Mm-hmm. I paid, I don't know, what we pay for it, forty thousand dollars? Yeah. Uh just a lot because it's right on the corner. And on the inside of that, my lot, there's a a young fellow that lives there. He lives in a 1973 trailer that he's got a chimney stack coming out of. It looks just like Fred Sanford's mm-hmm. sons. Yep. And he's next door to my lot. Funny story. He puts his truck on my property. It takes me 45 days to get a certified letter that he wouldn't accept. So the police had to physically go take it and put it in his hand <laughs> before I could move his, before he would move his stuff off my property because I was going to go get a chain and pull it off. Oh, wow. It took 45 days. <laughs> Every time I go there to cut grass, he stands on his property. And he antagonizes me. You so he dope to that any kids? Oh my god. Dumbass nigga. And you know, I it's a damn shame. I can't even go to my own lot that mm-hmm. I spent my personal money in to cut the grass without somebody standing. And it's the craziest thing in the world, man. This little dude must be possessed. <laughs> Yeah, he has nothing, he's, right? And he's, he's and he somehow feels like he can he can treat you that way. Yeah, I, yeah, but you know, let me back up. He worked for me building my house. Twenty five dollars an hour. We paid that piece of shit for helping me. All he could do was tote trash, mm. you know. And he said a couple things to me that I didn't particularly care. So you know, I smacked him up a couple a little bit, and that was that's what I don't get. You were at my house and you called me a nigga. <laughs> and I ran across the yard 
and I slap shit out of you five or six times. You know, don't ever say that to me. Pop, 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 pop. Mm. Uh, he goes home. We run out of the yard like a little kid. And he comes back in three days, man. Can I get my job back? Wow. And because, yeah. And he, oh, man, I fired him like 14 times. <laughs> I did, because every time you say something stupid, man, leave. Because I'm, I would prefer you to get away from around me and talk all the shit you want to. Hmm. Than to stand in my face and even think you're gonna say anything to me. Well, is that is that the issue? Is is it that because because you've stepped forward, right, and you've said that you you are exercising your right to say that we need a better system of justice. Is that such a threat to everyone else for you to be considered their peer and their equal? I mean, do you see that? Because you've traveled around the country now. You've you spent, you know, you've gone to all these different places. Is it is it happening everywhere that way? You know what, man? I have taken hundreds of pictures with police officers, with mayors, with plenty of influential people. Hold on. On Juneteenth, mm-hmm. I'm going to Little Rock, Arkansas. Hmm. There's gonna be the governor. The mayor, uh, the secretary of state, there's going to be uh, the uh, chancellor from Arkansas and Alabama. And guess what? I'm going to the the ball. Mm-hmm. I'm going to put on me uh, uh, one of them little black suits with little white ties. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to go in there and sashay. I'm going to do the tango. All of these people are coming to see George Floyd's uncle. Yeah. That is letting, well, I have no other choice. I can't stop him. I, you know, I tried to stop him. I said, George, shut up. Stop talking to me. Don't, don't be talking like that out mm-hmm. of my mouth. And I can't because I'm going to spread my nephew's words and thoughts and tell my words and thoughts that I can't talk anymore because I, I'm tired. I'm literally tired of seeing you cannot look around and tell me one good thing that has happened to a black man from somebody else. Mm-hmm. You can't think about it. What happens? You can't not tell me. I can't think of one good thing that make me think uh, racism has had any kind of uh, dent put in mm-hmm. it. Because it hasn't. Everything is, is all one-sided. We've been beat, hung, killed, raped, massacred, and nobody can tell you anything different that has been done to us over all these years. But yet, one thing they can't say, it hasn't stopped. Yeah. And that's the problem because this is what happens, Carmen. And unfortunately, and you know, I literally had to think about this finally. Mm-hmm. A couple of days ago, because I never thought about it before, because my mind, my life, my re- my reactions tell me when I got to go. Mm. You can't sit on the pot on this one. Now, <laughs> you do know this, right? You do. You do know. And all of us come here with a day to leave. But you can speed your days up or slow your days down. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, Carmen, that one day. You're going to be sitting around thinking about me and you're going to want to call me and 
you might not be able to call me. Mm-hmm. Because anybody that's making a difference or a change or trying to better the world, they normally don't make it through the movie. So the black guy normally dies, dies in the movie. Mm. And you know what? The first movie that was made, black guy died. Mm-hmm. Him along with him along with one of his good friends, the president, and mm-hmm. and and his brother-in-law, and Carmen. I just I've got so sick and tired of having to live in a situation where you have to be a yes man mm-hmm. or you have to agree on everything somebody else says. If not, you're you're ostracized and outcast because you weren't listening to the man. Uh, so, yeah, man, I have put life on hold forever, forever. Because I got to do something. The if I don't if I sit back and do nothing, yeah, that would torture me to death. Because I'd be like, "Damn it, man! You should be opportunity to say something, take advantage of it." Yeah. But this is the other side of the story. We were laughing. Me and my sister was the other day. She's like, "Sell one." Do you think all this running around that you're doing, all this stuff we're doing, because? My mama, our mama raised us right, mm-hmm. and you got to look out for yours. Do you think anybody would be doing the same for you, mm. Angela? If you were living, if if you were around, yeah, yeah, but nobody else. And she's like, you know. So, so when my sister told me this, I just want to tell you this: I don't think I could ever be more proud of you because you have stopped and jump right into this activism making the change thing and you ain't never look back mm. well i reckon that's what you do man winners winners uh winners win losers lose and <laughs> i just don't want to be tagged with that stigma that i'm a loser in any way shape or form granted i probably won't see the significance of this ever but we're gonna sow the seed carmen if you sow the seed something will grow so I want to I want to pick up where we were um, around the the idea of traveling around the country and recognizing that the the guilty verdict gave us the hope that it's possible to see justice. But where do we go from here with what you're doing? Because it's got to be more than one trial that was so definitive that you know, we, we saw justice. There are a lot of other people who didn't have a camera on them or that, um, you know, didn't have the spotlight as bright, uh, or as focused. So, so how do we do that? How do we do that better? This is not, uh, you know, this is a crazy thing. See the execution is harder than the, than the, than the thought. Mm Mm-hmm. Because Carmen, Carmen, Carmen. Mm-hmm. Now, did you hear that right there? I did. Communication, conversation, education. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, when when you want to make a difference and you have a, a, a group of people, that's unity, the people that, that, that are not involved, that don't care, think you're bad because mm. you're trying to fulfill a peaceful uh, endeavor for people. 
so that we can all go and be like the 60s. Mm-hmm. My brother, I don't want to talk to those that don't want to talk to me. <laughs> I, I want to talk to those that believe that we need change. And it's been wrong because, you know, there's two types of people. People that cannot read and people that don't want to read. <laughs> and we figured that they're about I don't know, 65, 75% of these people in this world that, that never wanted to read. Mm-hmm. And what never wanted to read means that they don't give a damn. Yeah. Because you're dealing with somebody that is inferior to us. And that's what just gets me. How in the hell can one person for 400 years walk around and tell people that you're stupid, you're dumb, you're ignorant, you put them in the ghetto, yeah. you're... You drop drugs in the neighborhood, and I know people think that I'm just saying that because I'm black. No, I'm not. Uh, and you do, and you put them in bad schools, you put bad teachers, uh, bad insurance. Everything is bad, you know. But, and yet, yeah, and that, and, and that happens over and bad. over, though. But I mean, it, it, yeah, it, it, over over. I, I, I think when when you when you talk about people who don't want to read, who don't want to learn, I always go back to this this phrase that I've I. I found this true every time I apply it, which is you can be ignorant or you can be arrogant, but you have to choose one. Mm-hmm. And if you're ignorant and you and you are not arrogant about it, we can learn together. Mm-hmm. And if you are arrogant because you're well informed, then okay, I have to listen. But when you find people that are ignorant and arrogant, that's where because I think, yeah, and yeah. and I and I see mm-hmm. that over. And over again, but I think what you're, when you talk about going to people who are ready to listen, who are willing to listen, that's what I mean when I say finding allies, mm-hmm. because it, the same, the same type of other that happened with, you know, Jewish people in Nazi Germany, mm-hmm. you know, it, the, the length of time that it's happened in the U S to have an entire race of people be seen as less than is it's astonishing you know isn't that a crazy that you can that you can put these words in your mouth and let them exit your mouth and you know for a fact that you're 100 percent real Hmm. think about that that's the same way i think when i'm sitting in my parking lot and this is uh this is retirement this is all the things that you grow up thinking, hey, you got to have the house with a picket fence. You know, you got to uh, make sure that you got enough money to live off of. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to sit right there in that parking lot and for the next 15, 20 years and I'm going to do okay. Uh, my young one's going to go to school. Me and mom going to be able to sit and buy some Cadillac uh, convertible. Mm-hmm. In about 25 years when they graduate high school, because I'm so old, I'm a fool, and I don't know what the hell wrong with anyhow. But, and it's supposed to have been all good. And I went from sitting and being calm to probably being the most stressed person in the whole world because somebody put something on my plate and I'm never going to be able to finish the food. Mm-hmm. So every time I talk, I'm throwing a buffet. You know, I'm giving you a little taste of everything. Some you don't like, some you do like. But I can guarantee you everything I tell you is absolute 100% authentic and real. But but that's what I like about you. So 
<laughs> you know, we've had, Hello, thank you very much. Well, no, I mean, because there's a, there is a genuine, um, affection for people in, mm-hmm. in the way you talk. And Let me tell you something, see, I have had to be a comedian mm. my whole life that has broken the race thing with me. If I can make you laugh, mm-hmm. uh, I, I just broke, I just broke a window. Yeah. And when I was selling vacuum cleaners, if I could see your teeth, mm-hmm. I just stuck a fork in your ass because you were done. Well, that's the thing, right? I mean, so you, you selling vacuum cleaners. I used to sell circus tickets on, on, uh, mm-hmm. over the phone. Cause you know, nobody's sitting there either thinking, I, I wonder if somebody's going to show up with a vacuum cleaner or I wonder if somebody's going to call about the circus. Mm-hmm. You have to make them care. And the, and the only you way to really make them care in the home, you got to make them believe if they don't get this machine right now, mm-hmm. you're going to be sick because of the pollution that you have in your home and your machine's inability to get it out yeah. because of how it's designed. So, okay. So let's take that. Let me take that idea because I think this is okay. what you're doing. I think, I think that what so you are, you are sucking up contaminants in the world. You are, t- you are removing things that will hurt the souls of other people. And, and what you're doing it the same way, which is you're reading the people and saying, what fact do I have that can motivate this person to care? And that, that is wow. a very, very smart way to approach it because you're finding them where they are. Mm-hmm. And there's a humility to that. If you did not feel funny when you had to sit down and watch my nephew perish. Mm-hmm. If it didn't bring a tear to your eye, if your heart didn't ache, if you didn't just say, oh man, that poor guy. Mm-hmm. I don't want to see you. Go on the other side of the track. Yeah. Cross, the, cross the road when you see me coming. Mm-hmm. Because I have no time to waste on people that don't care. Because I've wasted 54 years, and I ain't got but another 30 to go, so I need to get to work. Mm-hmm. So if you want to hear a good story, if you want to just talk and chat and talk about life, whether it's the black life or the white life or the blue life, mm-hmm. I'm here for you. But we got to figure this race relation thing out because I don't understand how a war could go on for 400 years, mm-hmm. but the war, the war is still going on. Well, and, and when's it time? I mean, you can't, you yep. can't keep saying not now, not now, not now. Yeah. yeah. So when, when is the time? It has to be now. We have not had anybody with the momentum and the ability to change the world in a long time, probably like 60 years. Mm-hmm. And here we go. We have a, uh, we have an uncle that is having his his nephew's back because he's seen some heinous things happen to him. My brother, it's not the first time I've seen bad things happen. Mm-hmm. Probably won't be the last thing, bad time I see bad things happen. Uh, but that was a little extra special. Mm-hmm. And that nine minutes and 29 seconds changed the whole world 
Well, I think that nine minutes and 29 seconds have put me in a situation where those hearts, those souls, those eyes, a lot of them, a lot of them are open and their heart isn't as hard as it used to be. When a 75 year old man calls me, she and tells me, Mr. Jones, you know, I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And I've heard it so much now. See, mm -hmm. all I say is, hey, man, you know what? You didn't have no choice. That's what you were taught. Mm -hmm. These old guys and these old women look at television and they've seen all these bad things happen. Mm -hmm. And let me tell you, a 75-year-old person where I'm from is the last person <laughs> going to talk to your ass. Yeah. They're three generations away from slavery. Sure. And you have all these people. that I got le numerous letters saying, Selwyn, I appreciate you. I thank you for for saying things that need to be said, that should have been said, but people didn't have the strength to say it. And man, that gives me a hell of a lot of uh, uh, promise to realize that these 65 and 75 year old people that's been living their whole life thinking that they were better than another race of people mm -hmm. because that's what they was taught. And they got an opportunity to look themselves in the mirror and look at that killing of my nephew every day for figure two weeks, mm -hmm. 10,000 times. Mm -hmm. And you know what? They looked at that and they realized, wow, we have been treating human beings like shit because our parents told us to do that. That's mm -hmm. what they taught us because their parents taught them. So, bro, you know, man, it, it almost makes me want to cry. I had an old dude come in here, and he was with this little organization in Minneapolis. Mm -hmm. I've had what is it, 52, 53 people that come here and will rent a room for the whole week. Mm -hmm. And if you can find somebody else to stay in a room renting, I don't care. This is my way of supporting you. Mm -hmm. So, man, I, yeah, I just believe that the Lord is working. And I've never been that, you know, that big. I never said I'm not believe. Mm -hmm. I just have never put, you know, the effort into worshiping something that everybody else worships. Mm -hmm. And uh, let me tell you, man, we do. Whoever's doing this job mm -hmm. is doing an, a job. I don't know why they had to take the time to write in. Well, let's make black people. Uh, let's make black people lord everybody else and let's mm. belittle them and, and humiliate them and shame them and kill them and murder them and all this other good stuff. And think about that. Mm -hmm. So for a long time, I had issues, you know? Yeah. But then you look at the George situation in the totality. Hey, uh, Donella Frazier's niece mm -hmm. had to have wanted a pop. She had to have wanted a pop. Yeah. So, therefore, it took Danella and put her on the scene. Well, George was already there, mm -hmm. and he's on the scene. Well, there's two or three dynamics left that need to be there. Mm -hmm. Well, Derek Chauvin had to be there yeah. at that particular time, at that particular place. And they all get together. And the last person, the missing link to this whole ordeal, I think, mm -hmm. I don't know why, 
with Shelvin Jones. Well, that's what I was going to say because mm-hmm. to you set a context for a tragic event, and mm-hmm. in so many instances, the event happens, it's memorialized, and and then the action evaporates. And I think that what I'm seeing in the way that you're doing this, it's it's grit, it's tenacity for you to say, we have a chance to affect change. And I, and I think about all the other people who, who lost relatives in an unjust and random way. And in a lot of ways, because of the way that you, you talk to people and find them where they are, you're doing something different here. You're pulling people off the sidelines that had no intention of getting in the game. Oh, yeah. Uh, that shows me that uh, you got a lot of people that, that dusted their glove off and got that hot bat ready to go mm-hmm. because they want to get in the game. Uh, we have to have, we have to continue to have Caucasian people that want to be in the game because we can't do this mm-hmm. if we can't get together and have a good time because we don't have enough people. With twelve percent of the population, and you figure you take out another five, six percent because it just don't care, mm-hmm. and you know, so that means that we got seven, six percent of the people. We got fifty-fifty. Yeah, that's like- running around here making noise, and I love young people. Oh boy, I love their fight because the difference between us and them cats is guess what? We go to a point where man, we got to go. Mm-hmm. Time to go. Yeah. They don't have that point. They they stay until they want to leave. Mm-hmm. And whether good, bad, or indifferent, I love their I love their fight. I love their tenacity. But they need to know why they're fighting. Yeah. You're not just fighting because you can destroy a police car and you know, and, and there's a gang out there, and you're just gonna make a bad situation worse by jumping in there doing something silly. You know that doesn't help. You standing on the sidelines and not talking that don't help. Well, but but listen to the disappointment in some people because there weren't any riots. I mean, that was insane to me to hear yeah. people on the right say, mm-hmm. "Well, you know, I hope they don't riot." And then when no one rioted, they were like, "Well, that's a shame because it really would have showed how bad these people are." Well, no, yeah. what it showed is. They're not the violent ones. <laughs> and it's crazy because think about this, see. If somebody were to call me a nigga right before my eyes, right before my young mm-hmm. right before my wife, right before Jesus Christ Almighty. Mm-hmm. And if I were to smack the shit out of them mm-hmm. for disrespecting me, you know that I would be the one that would be locked up in jail. Yeah. I would be the one that people would say, wow, I told you he was a crazy, he was just a crazy one of those guys. Mm-hmm. You know, all of them do drugs. You know, think about that. You can ride around town. You can get on Facebook yeah. and Instagram and Snapchat and you can write hundreds of posts about me being a big piece of shit, me being a dumb nigga, me not belonging in your community, me needing to leave, me selling drugs, mm-hmm. all these things. And you don't give a damn. All you know is you have that privilege mm-hmm. and and that ability to say anything you want to about anybody because you're white and you come from a distinguished uh, family in town. Man, let me tell you something. I I was in Pierre two weeks ago mm-hmm. 
and we stopped into Bedard's. And I seen one of the guys that live from my town in there, and we're chatting and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting in my vehicle, and I'm seeing him get on his motorcycle. Well, then I see, uh-oh, I see a math man walk out. Hmm. I get out of my vehicle. I tell my son to stand in the vehicle. And my son is like, Dad, what's wrong with you? You don't look right. Stay in the vehicle. Let me call Mommy. He's five years old. Mm-hmm. I'm like, no, nah, man, I'm just going to go over here and talk to Joel. Daddy, you don't even like Joel. Mm-hmm. Jacoby, stop talking. Stay in the truck. I go over there. Hey, man, how are you doing? Hi. Okay. Anyhow, I haven't seen you since uh, the article that was done that you if you look at the Star Tribune, mm-hmm. he's the dumbass person with the Confederate flag in front of his house <sighs> that we put in the paper. Mm-hmm. And anyhow, so this douchebag, you need to lift your town up, not tear them down. What have these good people done to you for you to just um, to talk about them all the time? Mm. Are you serious? Okay, Joe, this is this is what I want to say. I've been knowing this boy for eighteen years. Mm-hmm. He's played on my, he's played on three or four of my softball teams. Yeah. You know, when his wife left him, hey, he used to come to my house and we used to sit in my shop and talk, chop it up. Mm-hmm. And Joe, this is what I'm telling you. I thought you were a friend. I thought you were a friend. <laughs> but I see how things are. Because I expected most of these people to be like that. Joe, I thought he might have been a little bit different. You know, and douchebag. So, Joe, this is what I'm telling you, partner. If I see you, if you say anything else about me, and I know it was you, mm-hmm. I'm going to beat your ass. <laughs> Matter of fact, I should beat your ass right now for calling me a nigga and a coon. I should. I should. Douchebag. How'd you feel saying that to me, Joe? Mm-hmm. And he just looked at me. Well, you know what, man? Don't answer, because ain't a damn thing you're going to say me nothing to me today. And it's best that you probably not say, because I really didn't feel like beating nobody's ass, but I'm waiting. Well, see, that, and that's the, I mean, that's the, that's the hardest part about it, Selwyn, is that any other person who, who felt that abused or threatened or, um, or insulted, we, we all go through the same thing. We all go through that that period where you you weigh, is it worth me lashing out and putting this person in their place? And, and it doesn't matter uh-huh. whether you're, you're going to fight them or whether you're going to argue with them or whatever. But you got the added weight of um, of being judged much more broadly than any other individual. So, I mean, how, Carmen, how do you do I that? Carmen, I... I love my youngins. I love being free. And I love my blackness. So all of the things that I just told you, with me knowing the effort that I'm putting into this, I'm getting a satisfaction out of potentially changing people's lives to make them feel better. Uh mm. I don't have no, I don't have that gene in me because what happened when I seen my nephew, I sat back in a chair and all that aggressiveness and all of that 
anger. It just went to an it just went to a place where I'm not mad anymore. I'm not angry. I just know that I need to get off my big ass and I need to change what I can change. And my nephew gave me an opportunity to be able to change a lot of things. Yeah. You listen at me. You hear you hear my message. So I'm I'm gonna do what I can to make this a better place. And if those that don't want to live in a better place, hey, that's fine. Uh, I live in a town that I know that I will never be able to walk down my town street and say Black Lives Matter. I know. Mm-hmm. Think about how crazy that is. Mm-hmm. I can't even, dog, I ain't been to a soccer game, mm-hmm. a basketball game or anything because somebody wanted to uh, put me in my place because somebody killed my nephew. And I've done that just out of total respect for my wife because you know what happens, Carmen. You know, a white boy get a couple of drinks in him mm-hmm. and I'm in the same place. He's going to want to say something because he thinks he's got everybody around out there to back him up. Carmen, what I'm telling you is this, my friend. You call me a nigga, you could be, you could have 50,000 people standing in front of you because I hate what that implicates because I hate the meaning because I hate the degradation. You gonna have to get ready to put your hands up for me. See, but you're gonna put your hands up because I am six three, about two forty five, and I ain't listening that a lot of people disrespect me or shame me or embarrass me ever. I had to do it when I was a kid. But uh ever since then, ever since I've grown up, man, we're gonna do two things. You're gonna talk me to death. Or you gonna kiss me or what? Because I got I got other ideas about you, mm-hmm. but we I don't want to talk anymore. I just literally have come to the point: if you're not talking, yeah, about trying to save the world, trying to help the world, trying to help these poor people that are staying on streets downtown in these metropolitan cities, mm-hmm. and nobody will help them. Well, uh, well, and that's the difference, though. That's that's what I'm seeing. So if I if I if I look at this from from the point of view of somebody who's not in your shoes, and I think that it's important for people who aren't experiencing what you're what you're experiencing to pay attention. Then what I see is a guy who's tired of being frustrated. Yep, he's tired of um of listening to all of the excuses about why you have to adapt your behavior because of other people's ignorance. Mm-hmm. So when, when, when I usually get to the end of these types of interviews, I ask two questions and it's so what, and now what? So I want to go to the, so what this is a life changing experience for you and everyone in your family who has survive the the murder of your nephew. You can't go back from that. What you've chosen to do is to use that to affect change far, far beyond your family. Mm-hmm. What do you think you've accomplished and how far do you think you're going to take that? Winners don't quit. Quitters don't win. Mm-hmm. I've got a flag taken off the police uniform mm-hmm. that is probably more significant than anything I'll ever do. 
Uh, but I ain't going to stop because I need a street sign named mm-hmm. George Floyd in this town where these folks live. At. That's going to really be nice. I just want the world to be free. Mm-hmm. I just want, don't have, don't worry about, don't worry if the police stop me and I'm black. Mm-hmm. Don't, don't, don't. You have to humiliate yourself when the police stop you. Mm. You got to make it look like you are scared boy. Mm. Please don't hurt me, Mr. Officer. Mm. That's how you got to treat them. That's how you have to treat them. Please don't hurt me, Mr. Officer. Mm. That's a damn bad thing. That's a hard way to live in this mm-hmm. world, man. Uh, and I am not going to stop. I am going to talk until the cows come home. Mm-hmm. And when the cows come home, there's going to be somebody else that is going to believe and, and see the dream that I have. My man, this is just simple. It's the simplest thing in the world to me. I've seen one of my favorite people die because of anger, hatred, power, control, bad decision, mm-hmm. uh, bad attitude, all the bad things that I know of. The black witch, the black cat, they're all bad. If somebody's talking <laughs> trap, trap, crash about you, they're blackmailing. If somebody's right. talking poo about you, hey, guess what? They're blackmailing you. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So every black thing is bad. Well, I got to do my part to show people and to just make these the changes in people that they've been waiting for. Uh, do you know the black Klansman? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. The black Klansman sets out and tries to turn Klan members into normal people in society. Yeah. He crazy as hell. I told him that. <laughs> and he told me, Mr. Jones, if you use the same kind of psyche that I have to use, mm-hmm. you see progress. You wear them down. Guess what, man? I'm seeing progress. See? And I'm not seeing progress by me standing in the front of the line. Because I'm not I'm not a marcher. I'll go to a march and I'll stand there and I'll look and la- look and say some words of inspiration, but I am not going to walk in the melee because there are way too many this is crazy part. I know that there's way too many people that would wanna do something to me just so they could say, Hey, the last mafia nigger we shot in the head, mm. what, sixty three years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh so my man it don't even matter. I'm so obsessed with making a change. Every time I think about this and I say this, I really just want to cry because yeah. we've been crying for all these years mm-hmm. and ain't nothing gotten better. You know, people say, well, things have gotten better. You know, things have gotten better because there's a few people that, that say, hey, you've got to, uh, You've got to uh, uh, interview X amount of black folks for you to, for mm-hmm. you know, yeah, for you to. Sure, yeah. That's that ain't right. Well, I don't want nobody to give me shit because I'm a number. No. I don't want nobody to do any special favors for me because you know I'm black. I just want you to let me have what everybody else gets—a yeah. fair 
treatment. See, but here's here's what I'm going to I'm going to feed back to you something that that you've told me over the last two or three conversations. And I want you to really maybe just keep this one in the back of your head and think about it a little bit. Okay. We've had people who were ministers stand up and talk. We've had people who were scientists. We've had people who were, um, you know, uh, politicians. Never had a vacuum cleaner salesman. Never had Never had somebody who had to go into people's houses, who had to, you know, explain to them why they needed to buy something they weren't even thinking about, right? And I think maybe that's the, it's the time for people with those skill sets to go see these people because they, they weren't, they didn't wake up in the morning and say, I'm going to reconsider my prejudice. Uh-uh. And, and I think that the way that you come at this and I, and I, and I, I smile and I laugh because it makes me so happy to hear how you do what you do. You, you're a people person. You like people, but you, but you do not suffer fools gladly. No. <laughs> and I think that combination is, is absolutely amazing. And I think you're going to be more effective than you think because uh, of that. I know this. See, you can tell me a lot of things. It's hard to tell you. It's hard to, it's hard for you to tell me about me because see, I've been prepping for this my whole life. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because, because we, I've had this conversation with many people. Now, what you used to do? Huh? Mm. I saw vacuum cleaners for 25 years. I did not set at the home shows because if white folks saw me, they wouldn't register. So I had this elaborate thing that we set up. And what it did is it put me in a position so I could get to the front door. Mm. That's it. Didn't get no. All I needed to do was to be able to see their face. And I'd put that challenge on myself. And the battle, the battle was getting in the house, breaking that, breaking the uh, the racial uh, diversity. Mm-hmm. And then you have some people that ain't never had a black dude in their house, so you go in there and they. I'm one of the Crayola crayons. How to do so? Mm-hmm. C- colored is that what y'all go by or Negro? I was like, first of all, I'm no Crayola crayon. I'm not one of those sixty-four colored. Negro, who you talking to, man? You don't call people Negroes this day and age. We're black. It's okay to say black. Say black power. Say black power. <laughs> That's how I handled things. And I have handled those things that way, man, ever since I realized that if I could make people laugh, they wouldn't beat me up. That, look, I mean, I, I nobody's written, uh, at least to my knowledge, nobody's written uh, about that type of um, blunt in your face acknowledgement of people's ignorance. I mean, that's such a, you know, there's something about our generation though. There's something about people in their, in their kids in their fifties who grew up in the, in the seventies and the eighties. We, we do say the wrong things and we do we just say call the wrong people thing, on them. We have respect. We have empathy and you ain't going to try to snow us mm-hmm. or disrespect us or humiliate us without it, with us looking and thinking, does he not know that I can't read? Does he do not know I can't see? Yeah. So these people down here that are that are just living their life and being what they are, every last one of them think that they're right. Mm-hmm. Now, 
how can you put in your head a young man that you've watched tear up a whole damn establishment himself? Yeah. Haul four of those big 130 thing dumpsters away. Mm-hmm. And you talk to me every day and you see the battle that I'm putting on for my family. Yeah. And because somebody murders my nephew, you're going to label me as a drug dealer and a piece mm. of shit. So, man, I got my work cut out for me. You do. And I, like I tell people all the time, every time somebody calls me a nigga that lives in my town, I got the things I do. Mm-hmm. Things I do. Because what they don't realize is the world is changing. And every time, I every time something goes in the paper, how uh, derogatory these folks are to me, mm-hmm. they don't realize that they're going to be in the top 10 cities one day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and, and, and I think that's the part that I want to leave everybody with is that you're, they're going to hear from you and they're going to mm-hmm. see you. And I think that the, the people that, that, um, that come to talk with you are going to learn something about what it means to open up your mind. And I think that's a, a, a wonderful place to end because I've watched over the last month or so um, how kind of tenacious you are to travel to different places to tell your story and to, you know, to have the conversations and to educate uh, and inform. And I think that's the part that um, as an ally made me want to talk to you so much because I think you do need a bigger um, mm-hmm. megaphone. Because mm-hmm. what you're, and it's not just what you're doing, someone. It's, it's how you're doing it that I think is unique. And, I, and I'm going to tell you, a, a, it, it, the time has come for a really good vacuum cleaner salesman <laughs> to to lead this. So I want I want to thank you. Crazy, ain't that crazy? It, it is. Isn't that crazy? It is. It's the right time. It, uh, I should be having a PhD. I should be a rocket scientist. I should be a preacher. I should be a uh, professor at one of these uh, really uh, established schools. Man, what I am, I'm Selwyn Jones from Goldsboro, North Carolina, a sharecropper's son that did not want to lose any battles. Mm. That's all I am. All I am because we need a lot change in this world and the only way it's going to happen is us mm-hmm. communicate because think about this and I thought about it the other day I think man that's crazy we have not had nobody advocating no men advocating for for our for, for us for our blackness for our freedom mm-hmm. we haven't since, Mar- since Dr. King yeah uh, Jesse Jackson money yeah Al Sharpton which is a friend of mine how Al will slick that hair back in a heartbeat to go get her, to go pick up a paycheck. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we've had nobody. I don't know if I'll, I'll say, no, I'll say this. I'm not saying anything derogatory, but this is pretty much like putting yourself uh, on a hit list. Yeah. But you know what, man, seeing my nephew die with the, uh, impact that came from it dog this is like this is like going to the horse race and there's a horse that started out at he's at three-quarter field Hmm. and the rest of them started out at the gate uh i'm that 
I'm that one that's three quarters in the field, and uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna win the race yeah. sooner or later. I may not be able to see my win, but having conversations with people like yourself, some somebody will hear me from your podcast, mm-hmm. and they will go through the work to find that find Uncle Jones, mm-hmm. and they will give me words of freedom that I want to continue to do this battle because I have to. Yeah. One last thing, and then, you know, we'll do what we do. Yep. Christmas, I had a letter come to me. Mr. Jones, I appreciate everything you're doing. I thank you for your work. I thank you for your uh, for your wanting people to be free. I thank you for you wanting to be free. <laughs> and she's like, this is, what, this is my contribution for you. She gave me $1. <laughs> now, when you saw the handwriting, you will see, uh, you will see why, why I went where I went. She took the time out to give me a dollar, and when you looked at her handwriting, you could tell because I so vacuum cleaners, you can tell good people, bad people. And I got that card, and I took that dollar out, and uh, I got the dollar hanging in my office. <laughs> I sent her a $50 bill, <laughs> 20 or 50. It was one of them. But anyhow, I put it, I put the letter back and then I was like, wow, dear. Thank you. Thank you for, uh, for, for giving me this spirit or I pretty much basically what I said was thank you, dear, because this is the reason why I do this because if a poor person, can put a dollar in the mail. And first of all, if you've got more than a dollar, you would have put it in there. Mm-hmm. And if that's what you had to help me, do you realize? Do you realize the the, the magnitude of that? Mm. The heart that somebody had to see me, and you're thinking I'm doing that good of a job. <laughs> That you would want to go in, take your last, and send it to me. Sure, that's beautiful. That's beautiful, man. That right there is what this is about. Well, and and that and maybe that's how, how I can I can end end this because I think mm-hmm. what you're what you're showing me is again over and over. You're going to find people and take them where they are, and the and the kindness and I think the the humanity that you show to move things a little bit farther along. That's the best lesson I can give. And I, and I want to, I want to thank you because, you know, thank you, my brother. but there's a couple of things I want to thank you for. One, I want to thank you for, um, coming back because we've had a bunch of little technical difficulties as you've been traveling around the country, et cetera. And I want to thank you for the tenacity of, of doing that. But I also want to thank you because I was really, I'm in, in hindsight, I'm glad that we had these problems because I didn't mm-hmm. get the chance, the chance to just talk to you for an hour. I've talked to you for you know, two plus hours on different mm-hmm. occasions and I've learned a lot more. And, and that's the thing I want to, I want to thank you for is that the more I talk to you, the more rich my understanding is of what you're doing. And I appreciate it. So let me tell you somebody, you are a first class human being, uh, nothing but love, respect. Uh, I don't know about that other guy. Anthony. Something <laughs> wrong with him though. <laughs> Something wrong with that guy there might have a little problem. He might be a little cray-cray as they call him. But uh, y'all are 
some wonderful human beings. And this is how I communicate with people like yourself. Somebody will tell me or somebody will hit me up and say, yo, man, you need to probably check out this podcast because these these people are doing something uh, positive. Because I just don't randomly call you up on the phone and say, hello, I'm George Floyd, uncle. Uh, would you like to eat dinner with me? So yeah. somebody told me that uh, you and your boy had hearts of gold and were and you y'all were y'all were doing your part in this world to make us have a beautiful world well look i'm gonna you stop know? there i'm gonna stop on the compliment because uh um, my mama didn't you know she didn't raise a fool so uh thank yeah. you thank you so much but hey man thank y'all for giving me an opportunity to hear my voice like <laughs> i said it's always scraggly it's always rough and, but I'm going to tell you this, Carmen, I'm a little pissed off at you. What'd I do? I got on a Tommy Hilfiger suit for your butt, and I forgot this is audio. <laughs> I'm looking here. I'm sitting here fresh to death. I'm ready to go to the club. You you and, send me that. You send me a photo of you in that suit, and I will put it. I, that will be the prime visual for this podcast. Okay, uh, damn it. <laughs> I'm not going to let that go to waste. Uh, man, you can't, because I'm sitting there thinking, damn, man, I got my nice suit on, and... This man ain't even caring about me. We will work I, with I, you. I'll make sure I'll take it and I'll send it to you, boy. I'm fresh to death, though. <laughs> Thank you. Ooh-wee. Later, baby. All right. Take care. Thank you. All right, that's all the time we have. I want to thank Selwyn for uh, for a wonderful conversation. As always, if you have any additional questions uh, for Selwyn or for us, please uh, let us know. We're always interested in talking to other people, and we're always interested in learning how we can improve the podcast. Uh, but for now, for me and for Anthony Sergi, thank you for tuning in, and we'll talk to you soon. <laughs> <laughs>